I kept trying to like throw my hands up and say, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done wrestling with this. And the questions just kept coming back to me and different, they would sneak up on me like through work or through my friends or what is the point of the things we believe in if we can't use them to make moral judgments, if we can't use them to answer like what is a human right, like definitively. If two people can hear the same scripture and come away with different answers, what is the point of this? I can't put my faith down. I can't walk away from it. I've tried, <laughs> like I've made a concerted effort to be like, nope, I don't buy into this anymore because I, I can't see how it's working in the world. And every time I've said that, I've been wrong because it's come back around and like picked me up on the other side, you know? And I found myself, keep, I keep getting sucked back in. Welcome to ChatGPC the podcast where we delve into the inspiring stories and experiences of the members of Georgetown Presbyterian Church. I'm your host, Mark Willey, and today we have a very special guest with us, Emma Marshall. Emma has been an integral part of our church community, growing up in the Georgetown Presbyterian Church, serving in various roles through her years among the congregation. Her path led her to a decision that embodies the spirit of faith-driven pursuit, to enroll at the esteemed Princeton Theological Seminary, where she is currently a graduate student. Emma's story is more than just personal growth. She provides keen insights and visionary ideas on the trajectory of the church, its past, and its potential for the future. She believes in a church that serves both its community and the wider world, a vision that both inspires us and challenges our status quo. So get ready to be moved by Emma's inspiring journey and compelling vision. Welcome to ChatGPC, episode one. You more or less grew up in this church, right? True, true. Talk to me about the journey of going from GPC youth to where you are now to where you're going to be. I mean, it's certainly all GPC's fault. Like, <laughs> this is not a thing you come to in a vacuum. I don't think most people just go to seminary with no, like, previous thing. This is very much home for me like the building and the people and as a little kid there were like all these old ladies who knew what grade I was in and like what sports I was doing and I couldn't tell you their names you know for a million dollars but like they knew everything about me and like really cared about my growth and I was I have a postcard collection and I was uh pulling them off my wall my wall in my parents house to put in a box to take to Princeton and there's a bunch from like my Sunday school teachers from when I was a little kid. Like when they would go to England, they'd send me a postcard of like a little pub that's called the Emma or something, you know, like and then write a little postcard. And I was like, that's so cute. Um, and so like people were very invested in me personally. And it felt very much like having like a really big family or like a place, you know, I think about like Maisie and Finley and like Maywin and Evangeline and the kids who just are so comfortable here that like they're just they know where everything is they would love to tell you where everything is and like that was very much me and my little cohort which was was very nice and then when I got older we did it was like youth mission trips that really gave me a sense of ownership because we really wanted we went on one that was really driven by a pastor uh, Merit Schatz was like you guys should do this when I was probably in seventh or eighth grade and then after that Merritt moved on and all of our parents were basically like, we support you doing this, but you have to lead it. That's how churches work. Like if you want something to get done, do it. Like, great. We'll help you. We will drive you to things. We will like, you know, help you with figure, learn how to do fundraisers and we'll drive you to the dollar store to buy paintbrushes and like, we'll do all of that. But you have to be the energy that makes this happen. And we really did. I mean, 
we really did it, <laughs> um, which was really fun. So like, I think that was very much the like pivotal moment for me of like, I was, the mission trips really ha- made me have like a faith overhaul where I was like, oh, this isn't, going to church isn't just something you do. It really was meaningful to me. And at the same time, I was having this sort of community rehaul where I was like, oh, I'm a participant in this community. I'm not just a person who receives all the things it has to offer. Like I can also, right. It's not just packaged programming for me. It's like something I can be. And I started teaching Sunday school at that point and um, like, you know, young children in worship and um, participating in worship more and like doing youth Sundays and things like that. Now, having, having seen what GPC was for, for many years and having seen what it is, what would you hope would continue here and what would you hope would change for the better? I've been thinking a lot about this idea that we are all kind of always seeking this like church of our youth. I talk to a lot of people who are like, we should get youth mission trips back. My immediate instinct is like, yeah, we should, because I found that to be so transformative. When we say we want vibrant churches, I don't think that should mean like we want the church we had. It should mean like we want the church that the world needs now. And so like, I don't, I, like, that's not an answer to your question, <laughs> but, but it's not, like, thinking about what GPC was and what it is, like, I think it's evolved for its current moment, and I think it's going to continue to do that, and I don't necessarily know that there's, a, I would rank the things that we have lost or gained in value. Like, we've gained things that are more appropriate for where we are now, and we've lost things that were no longer appropriate for where we are now, and maybe those things will become meaningful again, and maybe they won't, but... Like, that does not answer your question, but... <laughs> no, it kind, of, it, it kind of does. I mean, it kind of does. You, you, you said something to the effect of, you know, what the, what the world needs now, the church becoming what the world, world needs now. And you're going to seminary. In talking with you about it, it's not necessarily to, to go into the um, pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it's, it's a, you're, you're, putting a, you're declaring a concentration. Mm-hmm. You know, why are you going? I should just ask it more personally, which is why are you going into, into the seminary? Well... To sort of the previous thing about the church then to now, I've been talking to folks a lot recently about the idea of the denomination and GPC is like a big tent. And I think when I, you know, in like 2006, it was great to be a big tent. Like that was, it was great that we could all come in and gather together and say, you know, we share X, Y, and Z values and we don't always agree on how to get there, but let's talk about it. Like, let's trust that we have that shared foundation and talk about it. There's this vision of like, okay, we've got the big tent, but as people move further and further to the sides, there's no one left in the middle of the tent and now everyone's getting wet. But I actually am so interested in the idea that like, if we're going to hold on to our big tent values, which I think we should, like there's so few places left that do that work. If now, we're gonna, when you talk, when you talk, let's just define big tent yeah. a little bit in that sense. Like, are you, are you talking like political ideologies? Yeah. Or, okay. I think mostly politically. I think also in terms of like theology. Like we we welcome Presbyterians welcome questions and they welcome. You ask people, everyone at GPC, there to write down like their top five points about what how they understand faith, and you're gonna get some overlap, but you're gonna get a lot of different stuff. And that's fine. Those people are all still Presbyterians. <laughs> like, I am primarily thinking now politically this this idea, this climate of polarization and division, and we've all heard it a thousand times. And I'm so interested in the idea that if GPC w- took pride in being a big tent, a place where Republicans and Democrats could come and worship together on Sunday, and you'd never know who was who, if we took such pride in that 10 years ago or 12 years ago, I think we can continue to take pride in that. 
and I wonder about what does it look like to be intentional about that? Because I've, I think if you could get the 450 members of GPC to agree on like one thing, you could probably get America to agree on it. Like if, you, if we could get us all in a room to agree on like how should we address gun violence, mm. like that would be a conversation that I would want to hear and like have America here because it's everyone's got a different perspective. And so if we're going to be a big tent and we're going to welcome all these people and make a concerted effort to make people feel comfortable and like we share, you know, foundation of values, like let's really intentionally, let's do something of of meaning with that. Let's not just have that be a value we say. And I think we do that. I think it's harder after COVID when our connections have become so frayed, but thinking about this church and the church then to now, that's like something I've been thinking about a lot, which comes back to why I'm going to seminary, which is during the like 2016 election, I wasn't sure what the point of Christian faith was anymore because I was like, okay, I sit in a room every Sunday with people who believe very different things than I do. Like in once we leave this building, we're going to go work on complete opposite sides of a very monumental decision for this country. So what's the point of the hour we spend sitting in a room saying we agree on you know, the resurrection. Like what is the, what value is that doing if we can't, you know, create a a moral framework that works for everyone and we can't say this is right and this is wrong. We can't be definitive about that based on our our faith. I thought before 2016, I was sure I was going to graduate and go straight to seminary and go into ministry. After 2016, I was like, never mind, (laughs) because I was like, what's the point? Like what's, what, what are we getting out of this if we can't agree on anything? And the things we can't agree on are not small. It's not like tax policy. It's like, what's a human right? What's right and what's wrong on a very fundamental level? And, um, you know, people can say like politics and faith are separate, but I, my faith informs the way I act in the world. And I think most people at GPC would say the same thing. And I think Jesus would hope that our faith informs the way we act in the world. So I spent several years after that thinking, okay, well, (laughs) this is like not a fruitful path to pursue. Like we're not going to save the world through this, you know, through the church. It's just, I can't even see what the point of all of this is. And talking earlier about, you know, the wrestling with God, I I kept trying to like throw my hands up and say, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done wrestling with this. And the questions just kept coming back to me and different, they would sneak up on me like through work or through my friends or, Like I started seeing an astrologer and like the second session I found myself talking about like what is the point of the things we believe in if we can't use them to make moral judgments, if we can't use them to answer like what is a human right, like definitively. If two people can hear the same scripture and come away with different answers, what is the point of this? This is crazy because no one's ever done it and I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to seminary to like answer that question for myself. I can't put my faith down. I can't walk away from it. I've tried. <laughs> like, I've made a concerted effort to be like, nope, I don't buy into this anymore because I, I can't see how it's working in the world. And every time I've said that, I've been wrong because it's come back around and like picked me up on the other side, you know, and I found myself keep, I keep getting sucked back in. And so if I'm going to keep getting sucked back in, sort of like the big tent thing, okay, fine. Like, I'm conflicted. Let's use that conflict. Like, I really want to generate some kind of answer that works for me. And I'm not going to be successful because no one's ever answered that question successfully. But that's what I'm, that's what I want to do. I don't see myself going into pastoral ministry because I'm not, 
necessarily sure I could ever answer that question for a community, but I want to try to answer it for myself. This applies to other pursuits as well, Mm -hmm. where where we recognize going into them that we're never going to, whether it's a topic, Mm -hmm. music is this way, Mm -hmm. never going to master it. Fundamentally, in so many problems, we know they're not solvable. And right, just, right. None of them are. Yes. Really, none of them are. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but that doesn't mean it's it's not worth the struggle. And that's essentially what you're saying. And what I think is really interesting, and this this is, you know, you're, you, you may in fact be giving us our marching orders. Okay, so we have this really unique resource, which is all these different people who have these different yeah, ideas. Yeah. And, and what we've thus far been doing is taking great pride in that fact. And you're saying like, no, 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 what you fundamentally have is a brain trust, yeah, and a microcosm mm-hmm. of the of the national struggle. Mm-hmm. But the the idea being that we could be doing more rather than just making us feel comfortable in each other's presence by avoiding all of the the things. There could be consensus found, yeah, in in this place, right? You know, I've gone through a phase of thinking like the big tent thing is so like wishy washy, but actually, I don't think that's true at all. I think it's you know, we can talk about our hard things together and pray over them together. But so I think there's some groundwork to be done before we get to like a big think tank in a room where we're, you know, you know, the premise is X, like your side A, your side B, fight it out. Like we've got, we're a ways away from that. But I think it's, I think it would be a cool goal for this place to, to really get into it and trust each other enough to do that. But I I think I can speak for the, for the whole church when I, when I say that we will definitely miss you and look forward to your return from time to time. And we want updates. We want to know what's going on. And one thing it'd be interesting is to hear what kind of church do you hope to be able to come back to in, you know, 10 years from now? I'm just trying to think 10 years from now, I'll be 36. It's very stressful. Uh, (laughs) um, I think, I mean, there's a lot, I think, that I would like us to keep doing. Like, I think we do a really great job of welcoming new folks. I think we do a really good job of prioritizing our our kids and our families. I think I'd like us to be a place where people feel valued. And I think we do a good job of that in certain areas. But I think like, as we've talked about, there's so much work that gets done. And I think, and by volunteers who most people don't even think about all the things that that various volunteers step up to do each week. And I have found personally such fulfillment in my own like faith journey and life journey from the ways that I have been a part of the work that gets done here. And so on the one hand, I think, you know, I, I would like to be a place where people feel that their contributions have have meaning and we know who made them and we know we know why they made them and we we kind of recognize people's stories and and appreciate them even when they're in a new chapter of that story and so i think like that's one and then the corollary of that is when you're a place that does that that uplifts people for the different ways they can contribute and that can look like so many different things then more people are enthusiastic about contributing and so like rachel used to joke about the gpc deep state and how there's like i don't know I'm going to say 40 people who do a lot, a lot, a lot at GPC. And that's about 10% of the congregation. It's not a quorum. And so what would it look like to have people be able to witness like how much grace and joy people are getting out of their contributions here? And that doesn't just mean in these four walls, right? Like that can be mission work. That can be people who, you know, 
um, are really inspired by the work they see being done in the church and want to take that inspiration outside of the church and want to take it into the community and, and give us that sort of, you know, being a cornerstone of the community that I think would be really great for a church in D.C. with all the resources we have. I think there's a lot to be said for the inspiration that you can get individually and from other people as as you do the sort of community work that gets done here, making a clearer pathway for us to witness our sort of local faith heroes and and then inspiring us to be our own faith heroes. <laughs> you know what I like about that is that it feels like a logo, which I do not think that it is. There's some culture change to it, mm-hmm. and changing culture always takes a really mm-hmm. long time. But at the same time, that it feels very attainable. Yeah, I it, think I think it's doable. And I think, you know, it sort of goes back to that idea of like project and product. Like the people come to this church not because they want an hour of their life that where they can feel uplifted and inspired and someone will take their kid, but because it's something that really they are a part of too. They're an active participant in people having enthusiasm for the work of a church, which is not like the work of anywhere else, right? It's that's all the work of the church is like a very big umbrella. <laughs> and like, let's, yeah, I, I think that would be really cool if we could continue to sort of workshop that. <laughs> I, I like it. You are a fascinating and vibrant person that, that, um, that I hope will be a part of this, this community, whether from a distance or. They haven't gotten rid of me by. yet. They have and, not. And they've tried. Trust me. No, I don't think anybody's <laughs> tried. Thank you for being a uh, part of this, this very first. Yeah. I don't know if this will be brought. I don't know if we'll release this first, but. Yeah. This, this you've one. Got a whole, a whole thing here. Yeah. This is going to be the beginning. And then I cool. think you're, um, you're, you are a wonderful first interview for this. Oh, well, thanks. Endeavor. And we can Put listen to. All um, the Daphne noises. To what Daphne has been doing here. Yeah. She was snoring <laughs> she was earlier. Snoring. I know. <laughs> it's like at the end of My Favorite Murder when they do the like Elvis, do you want a cookie? And he oh, yeah. meows. All we do the. I know, just get like a vague snoring. Are you so sleepy? Definitely. Are you is your life just so exhausting? Definitely. I know. The tail noise is good. I hope you enjoyed hearing about Emma's journey and the impact of Georgetown Presbyterian Church in her life, as well as the visionary ideas she has for the future. Thank you, Emma, for sharing your inspiring story with us today. It's through the power of stories and connections that we can truly come to know and appreciate each other within our church community. Until next time, may you find joy, inspiration, and a deeper sense of community as we continue to explore the beautiful stories that bring us closer together. Thank you for listening to ChatGPC.